Hello and welcome to episode 122 of Three Beers in a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with Barry. Thank you for joining us on our phone recording pod this time around. Yes, um, we're both relaxing in, in our homes tonight. Yes, um, circumstances unfortunately with um, some family stuff with, uh, with Mr Mackay um, and just general busyness means we're having to do this one from, from home tonight. So um, thank you for stepping in at quite short notice, so I appreciate that. It's always nice. It's always nice when someone talks to me rather than me having to talk to myself. Because that's just crazy man in a room yelling at a, you know, yelling at himself, which oh, uh, which we don't really want. <laughs> um, as it is, we're at home and probably working tomorrow. Are you drinking anything tonight? I'm assuming not. Well, you say that, but I've I've literally just sat down for a nice big can of Strombo dark spirits. There are times when you are just so common, aren't you? There are, there are, there are moments. <laughs> there are, you act all cool, you act all punk, but equally you'd be happy sitting at a railway station with a can of Strombo, wouldn't you? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you... Sometimes, there's moments for craft beers and then there's times for just generic, off-the-shelf, adult Ribena. Yes, there's, there's, there's no harm in that. There's no harm in that. Um, but we'll start with how me and Colin have been starting with the uh, what we're now calling Mike's on Mike, which is yes. when we discuss the joy of... The Camel Lairds and their ongoing season, as we are sponsoring um, Mr. Mike Furlong for the season, mm-hmm. as you're well aware. Um, so they played; they have played two games since we last spoke. Um, nice. The first one was on, the, I think, it was a Wednesday night. That's the last time we recorded, and that was um, they played against Poulton Rock in the World Senior Cup. Um, in that game, they drew three each, nice. but they won on penalties, three-one. So that was good. Happy with that one. And then on Saturday, they were playing. And they lost two one to West Disbury Charlton, but we're happy. We are, I know these names are amazing. Um, happy to say that Mister Furlong played in both games, uh-huh. so representing, which we're happy with. He was out of the team for a couple of weeks there, and I don't know if it was injury or if it was you know a form issue. But you know he's, he's back in the team, um, and yeah, we, we assume he played well. Good, yeah. So they're they're doing well. They're they're they're. they're Ups and downs right now. Hopefully they'll they'll have a nice wee purple patch and put together some wins. But they're they're still yeah. they're still they're still going on. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like they can't, they're just finding their feet now and then. Eventually, you know, the turn the the turn the Christmas, I think they'll pick it up and they'll uh, start on a winning streak. That's what I think. I like that you have no evidence to back this up. You're just going purely on just sense of what you feel will happen. Yes, yeah. absolutely nothing but gut feeling. <laughs> nothing but gut feeling. Um, so we'll start with um, some, some non-cinema viewing. Have you watched anything of interest at home on the, the TV, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever the hell, whatever you've got? Well, just to paint a picture, um, while, I, while I was cutting logs, I accidentally broke a piece of wood in half, which is what you meant to do, okay. but then... One half of this log ended up spiraling over and belting the satellite dish. So currently <laughs> we have no sky, so we only can rely on on-demand services. So you are pretty much the, Clark Griswold from the National Lampoon, aren't you? That's essentially what you are now. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty I'm going to make a Christmas edition. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're relying only yes. on on-demand TV, basically now. Yes, because uh, because of what we're doing in the garden and stuff, we don't want to phone Sky out and then have to phone them back out 
within like not even a month to do pretty much the exact same job again. So to save us having to phone them out twice, we'll just wait and then phone them out. And this is because you're building a doomsday bunk in your back garden, is that correct? <laughs> well, with uh, exit apartment just round the corner, anything could happen to repair. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, so, yeah, so the only thing that I've actually been watching is uh, a TV show, which I believe was on the BBC. It's made by them. Okay, so, that would make sense reason, yep. Uh, <clears throat> but this is now on Netflix. I'm up to season four, and I haven't actually checked yet if this is uh, the last season or if it continues, but it's called Inside Number Nine. Okay, and what's the uh, premise of the show? The premise of the show is, think of it as like a, sometimes a slightly lighter version of Black Mirror, but every now and again there will be an absolute grim episode in there, okay. and the number nine always features somewhere within the episode. They're individual like stories uh, every episode, so um, what tends to happen is it's a 30 minute episode a story is contained within that 30 minutes and then the next episode even though it's the same like cast or slightly different cast they're all playing different characters again so it's more anthology it's not it's not continuing it's not continuation they're not connected to each other each episode no, no. no okay but honestly like some of them there's a couple of episodes that absolutely melt your heart and really pull at the heartstrings and you're like that's absolutely touching and then there's other ones where you're just like, what the actual fuck is going on? Because right. like, it'll be taking you in a direction, and then all of a sudden it'll just switch it, and you're like, no way. Didn't see that coming kind of thing. Yeah, so you compare it to Black Mirror. Black Mirror obviously takes the premise that it's like sort of a possible futures, near futures, that kind of thing. Is this doing the same thing? Is it a future thing, or is it sort of alternate reality? What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the premise behind the show? Um... I'd say, I'd say it's more set in kind of like modern times. Okay. Uh, but that is that is a couple of episodes that go like all the way back to like uh, like the days of burning witches and that right, kind okay. of thing. Uh, it kind of just bounces all over the place. There's no real sort of kind of like timeline um, or kind of era. It's but predominantly it's mainly set in the kind of like the now. I would say. So is it? Um, is it got a running theme? Like, is it, is it a satire on like sort of taking the piss out of like modern living by like showing these alternate versions of it, or is it like is no? Is it's it, more like, of a kind of uh, it's more of a kind of okay. Here we go. The anthology show features darkly comic tales, each of which takes place inside the building. A lot of them, uh, a lot of them are usually kind of quite small set pieces mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You sometimes contained either within a room or within like maybe a house or something. Uh, so it's almost it's a, a lot almost time. almost Twilight Zone almost to an extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, and it's also done by the two guys that were in um, League of Gentlemen, Reese Shearsmith mm-hmm. and Steve Pemberton. Pemberton, yeah, cool. Yeah, honestly, it's like I can't, I can't even recommend that enough. I don't even know why I ended up clicking on it and watching it. You know that way you just randomly click on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Really good. All right, cool, nice one. So nice, a nice choice. It's, um, I, 
it's in season three. I'm not going to ruin the episode for you, but you should watch it. What is it? See, because they're thirty minutes long, you can blast through them really quickly. I take but it does it does three, a, it does a British TV thing of like six episodes a season. It's not like a twenty four or anything. It's like it's just a like a couple of dozen episodes per season. That's a good question, actually. I don't actually know. Like this show from the seventies, right? And it's all filmed as the seventies, like the way it's shot and all that. All right, cool. Filmed in like an old camera or something. All right, cool. Get that like look of when they go past like a candle and it's like a big light kind of flare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. But I'm I'm not going to say too much more. It's a cheesy story that's going on, but oh my god, it's like it just takes a turn and you're like. Where did that even come from? Right. Yeah, it's it's worth it's. I cannot rate this TV show enough. I I'm absolutely loving it at the moment. I think it's just because like every episode you're just like, where is this even going? You know. Right. But a nice a nice wee gem. I, I've not heard anything about it, so um, maybe something I'll check out. Um, I wasn't really a um, huge fan of League of Gentlemen. That didn't really do it for me. Um, right. Well, I wasn't a huge fan of that either, and I have to say this is. This is nothing like the League of Gentlemen. Right, it just okay. happens to have those two guys in it. Right, okay. Right, so that is a good one to look at. So I will, I will really look out for that one. Um, yeah. Anything else of interest you've been watching? Uh, the full season is the last one. Cool. Um, no, no, that's really just been I, a bit like yourself. I've been kind of busy um, at work and stuff. So it's like just by the time I'm getting home and that and then settling down. It's pretty much time to go to bed and then get back up again. Yes. So. Um, the only thing I've watched of interest the last couple of weeks um, on at home is one called White Boy Rick. Okay. Which is a film about a kid in America in the nineteen I want to say nineteen eighties, who becomes the youngest informant for the FBI. Um, oh, nice. um, his dad is played by Matthew McConaughey. I can't remember who plays the young kid, but essentially it's the FBI using him in order to infiltrate gangs in New York and they sort of. They start you no, not New York, maybe Minnesota or something. I can't remember. Anyway, I can't remember what it is. But then essentially, they start giving him drugs to sell on, in order to sort of entrap people. But he's allowed to keep. Oh, no. He's allowed to keep the profits and things like that. And eventually, they use that against them. You know, and they keep oh, and they keep no. getting him in, getting him in deeper and deeper and deeper into trouble, um, because they've got so much evidence on evidence on him basically selling these things, and essentially about like him going from this sort of, I won't say shy boy, but sort of like. In his father's shadow, rising to be something greater than his father was, but still within this world of like the kind of underworld, and then eventually the, the sort of the inevitable downfall and where that will where that ends up and where that leads to. Um, it was really interesting. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's on Sky just now, so it's, it's, it's quite it's quite a nice, decent little kind of thriller. Um, it's based on a true story, uh, and it but it does kind of lose some of its interest towards the end of it once he once it's sort of once he goes away from the gangster lifestyle and sort of is essentially caught. It did lose a bit of momentum there for me. And the postscripts to the story makes not the, the story itself invalid, but it just sort of, it was quite a, it didn't really, it sort of had a kind of, 
you know, when I think you, you see the end, you know, it's one of those like endings, but it's like the postscript, you know, it's just the writing on the screen. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of go, yeah, yeah. you kind of go, ah, oh, all right, okay. That's mm-hmm. that's all it is. Like then, but nothing bad about the film itself. All well acted, all all decent enough uh, drama. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's a, it's a decent Sunday watch. And we've got oh, it was yeah. So, so it's on Sky. It's called White Boy Rick. Like I said, Matthew McConaughey's in it. It's got a fairly decent cast in it. Um, but he's sort of the, the headliner in the cast. He plays the father of the, the young boy. But no, I, I really, I thought it was decent enough as a, as a film. It didn't really get much of a cinema release. I think it kind of came and went very quickly. I can kind of see why. Um, but for a home viewing, it's actually, it's, it's worth a watch. Okay, cool. Yeah. It is a bit shitty though how it's like the FBI and that. Like, the more you listen to like people telling these older stories of the CIA and the FBI and all that, you just sit there and you're just like, they're absolute bastards. Aye. Well, I went saw a film last week. It was called um, The Day Shall Come. Um, we talked about it last week on the pod, and it's um, basically we listened to the director, a guy called Chris Morris, um, who was talking about it, and he's saying the biggest funder of terrorism in America right now is the FBI. They essentially are constantly giving money away to people in order for them to try, basically, to, to, to encourage them to do terrorist acts. Which, they, which the FBI hopefully will stop before they do it, but if the person goes down the road of going to do it, then that allows them to capture them as a terrorist, but they're funding it in order to make them do it. You know, it's, it's almost like a, you know, some guy online starts ranting about the government, so they go up to him and go, you know, through a source, obviously through a sort of like back channels, go, well, we can give you a million dollars if you want to buy guns and bombs, and he's like, oh yeah, sure, I'll take that money, because it's a million dollars, you know. Um, and so essentially it's the FBI that's funding all these things. Absolutely mental. Like, what possible good could ever come from that? It, they use it as a sort of like to say, like, you know, we're stopping these terror cells. This would have been a terror cell. This would be the next nine eleven. Yep. Yeah. But they're not really. No, like, no, if no. They didn't fund it. It would just be some crazy guy ranting on the internet. Essentially, yes. A lot of the time, it would just be that. Yeah. So uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Um. Yeah. So on to some more. We'll go to some cinematic watches. Okay. You. Oddly, you've seen a film I haven't seen, and I've seen a couple you haven't seen. Uh, <coughs> so we'll start with one that I've seen you've not seen, which is out just now. It's called Official Secrets. Okay. Um, directed by Gavin Hood, who directed um, Wolverine Origins. You've seen Wolverine Origins. Uh, and also Rendition, and a film I did a couple of years ago called Eye in the Sky, which I thought was a really good sort of tense thriller. Um, the plot of this film is it's, it's a true story, um, or based on true events, about... Britain and America lead up to war, you know, against Iraq in the, in two thousand and four, and one woman who works for like the British like, sort of, um, spy network GCHQ leaks a memo to the British papers that the American government want Britain to spy on UN members in order to blackmail them into voting for war. Oh, and okay. the film the film follows her leaking the story, the story being broken what the effect that has on the, the sort of situation of going to war, her coming clean and going like yeah it was me who leaked the story and her defence of that and how you know and, and her trying to defend herself against it so she doesn't have to go to jail for it because um, she has broken the National the Official Secrets Act which carries of itself, you know it's high treason it could, I think it used to be punishable by death I think now it's just like lifetime in prison Despite what she did, might have been people might see it as a, as a an act of you know bravery and something that should have been done. Ultimately, under the terms of her contract and on the terms of the British law, she was guilty of what she did. <coughs> so it's um, based on the, um, 
it's a based on true events. You go in the film, Keira Knightley plays the main woman, whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, Ralph Fiennes plays a lawyer. Matt Smith plays the um, what's the word? The the journalist at the the heart of the story. Um, also, Risa Fans pops up in it, and Matthew Good. So, really good, stellar, solid British cast. You know, sort of really good yeah. British actors. Um, I was talking to people at work about this, and I said it was really odd. I remember this happening. Oh, do you? Yeah, because two thousand man, it's two thousand and four. Like two thousand four, I know it's fifteen years ago now, but that's like we were all, we we were eighteen and nineteen years old, you know. So I can remember the lead up to the war in Iraq. I can remember going on the march against the war in Iraq. I can remember this woman coming out and saying she didn't, you know, and doing what she did and the, the, her trial of you know to, of of what she did. So it's really odd to watch something on screen be portrayed as history that I rem- yes. that I remember very vividly. Yes, yes, it's. I've came across a couple of things like that in recent times, just through like different podcasts and that, oh. telling different stories. And it is a bit weird how it's like, like you said, it's like it's claimed as history, but it's like very modern day history. I mean, it is, it is history, but it's it, it feels way too recent for me. It's it's kind of the same when you watch a documentary now about nine eleven, and you mm. go, people go, what like that's sort of, you know. It feels like a long time ago, but also to me and probably to yourself, it doesn't feel that long ago to you. You can you can remember so much about that whole event. That yeah, of course. It, it is like kind of weird when you watch it. You can get these kind of well, I get these kind of weird kind of flashbacks. Yeah, it's like I do vividly remember it, but also it feels kind of it's kind of weird. It feels like a kind of almost like another lifetime ago. Yeah, but. It, it does feel very, very recent, and yeah. it's like a weird feeling I get when I watch the stuff about nine eleven. Right, it's also a thing of like nine eleven. Any documentary, anything that you sort of it happened in your lifetime, you're kind of wondering how much is what I remember, and how much is what I've been told I should remember. You know, because you've seen it so many times on like TV programs and through documentaries. Like, how much is your mind filling in blanks of what you mm. of what you don't know, but you're thinking you do know it now, or you do you remember experiencing that? So that's that, that was kind of one of the interesting things about watching this film was the fact that it was I remember it quite vividly. Um, yeah. What it, what it is good is it's a solid document of events for a younger generation, because there will be people who maybe say eighteen now probably don't understand what the world was like when we went to war for Iraq. You know when it was complete when Blair took us into war, like how how illegal and how much opposition there was to it at the time. So it's, it's an interesting thing to have there, I and mean, people can, you know, and it's particularly prevalent nowadays to be standing up to your government, you know, something that maybe people need to know now, you know, it's like, you know, not saying, not just cowtailing to your government, and just because your government does something doesn't make it legal, doesn't make it right, it it, it can be wrong, you know, and, and you should be allowed to challenge that. So, and that's part it had a really good premise and a really good... Um, yeah, it's it's got a good story. It's a good story. Yeah. And totally can understand why they're doing the film now, because it does feel, although it did happen 15 years ago, it still feels pretty recent and pretty prevalent now, you know? Well, of course, look yeah. what, just everything that's going on around the world, just look yeah, at it. It's exactly. like everything from Hong Kong to Chile. It's like, exactly. it's just nuts. It's not, exactly. Um, <coughs> performances are all good. Like, they're all good actors. You know, there's no question about, you know, Keir Knightley, Ralph Fiennes, Matt Smith, Matthew Good, Risa Fans. But they're not, none of them, no one's doing anything they've not done before. You know, they're not breaking new ground with the roles they're playing. You know, they, they, you've just seen them all play these roles before. So you're yeah. not you're not blown away by anything. Um, it's more about the story than the actual, like, character. Kind of, yeah. Actors and actresses delivering a 
performance. Yeah, I mean, the promises are all very good because they're all, they're all very believable because, again, they're all very good at what they do. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I think the story's more important than, than sort of, like, giving like, this sort of this sort of nuance or, or, or breakout performance from it. Um, the direction also very good. I really enjoyed what he did with, you know, he kept it almost not quite documentary, but he felt, it did feel like you were kind of flying the wall for large parts of it, um, which he did very well with Eye in the Sky as well. Um, and he, he's turned into a really interesting director of doing this kind of stuff, you know, this sort of like political intrigue thriller, you know, with a kind of real world twist. So I'm intrigued to see what um, Gavin Hood does does more. The, the biggest complaint I had about it was that there's like sort of three distinct storylines in it. You've got her leaking the memos, the story to release the memos, the aftermath of that, and then her aftermath of like coming clean in the court case. And because it's just like three, they do, they do get a little bit muddled at times. And they get a little bit sort of, they kind of step on top of each other sometimes. And sometimes stuff gets left behind for a while. Like you don't see the journalist for like say 20, 30 minutes of the film. So you kind of forget about their story until you got, then all of a sudden you just, it cuts back. You're like, oh shit, I forgot I was, we were dealing with them as well. You know, or yeah. cut back to somebody. And, you, and it's a small thing, but it, it, it's something that took you a little bit to sort of just re-engage with, with what, the, with what the, the the point of that, that part of the story was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But other than that, I really dug it. I really liked it. I thought, it was a, like I said, it's a good just kind of historical document in some ways. Um, obviously, don't just take the film for it. What it is, I'm sure the film's you know blossomed over a few parts, and there's a few moments that are very Hollywoodized. You kind of go, oh, that doesn't seem real. It might be real, but it felt like it was something that Hollywood would do for a film. You know, it didn't feel like it was a real thing. Um, but yeah, if, if you know. Find other if you want to watch it, watch it, then go and read about it. You know the real stuff and find out more in more in depth. But no, I really, I really liked it. I really dug it. Um, I'd give it seven out of ten. I, I thought it was a really well done, decent political thriller. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I'll need to look out for it because it has, it has happened within like such recent times. Yeah. In terms of our like adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's worth watching, yeah. Definitely, yeah, and it's it's interesting because obviously when you're eighteen or nineteen, you're you, you're you're if you're into politics, you have any sort of political leanings. Everything's all fire and brimstone and end of the world, and it's interesting to look at these events with more of a, a bit of a clarity of a thirty-three-year-old man. You know, you, you can you sort of see it in a slightly different light. You know, and you yeah. can you can go right. I can see why eighteen-year-old Richard was angry at this, but I don't know if thirty-four-year-old Richard would approach this in a different way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so interesting to watch. Um, next one up is one that you saw, so it's called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Which is a, which <laughs> a great, great title. Uh, directed by Tyler Nyson and Michael Schwartz. This is their debut feature. Um, they've done like shorts before. I think, they, I think this film made quite a big splash at Sundance, possibly. Um, and maybe even uh, South by Southwest. Um, in the film, you've got Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, John Benthal, Zach Goteskin. Uh, John Hawks and Bruce Dern and I think from what I've seen in the plot the plot is essentially it's a young boy who's is he autistic or is he Down Syndrome? No he's a he's got Down Syndrome, syndrome. and he's got a family either his family have left him or he doesn't have any family right. so they can like the social workers the American equivalent of social workers they've um, stuck him in a nurse in a, a old folks home right okay so he, he just spends all his time um, trying to escape this nursing home. You, and the kind of older residents, like certain members, uh, help him to try and escape. Yeah. <laughs> so 
it kind of kicks off from there. That's quite early on. And um, he, he wants to be a wrestler, is that correct, yeah? What's that, sorry? He wants to be a wrestler, is that sort of the main crux of it? Yes. Yeah, yeah he, he watches this like, videotape like, like two, three times a day kind of thing. And it's like this kind of... Like, I think it's almost like a take on like, the old kind of like, uh, WWF. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Kind of, uh, wrestlers doing promos and all that yeah. and then he's con- like this wrestler on the TV he's constantly talking about how he's got this wrestling school down uh, in Florida somewhere so his whole entire plan is to try and escape the nursing home because his life isn't going anywhere it's one of those horrible things where he switched on enough to realise that he, he understands either. everything around him, yeah. but he can't look after himself because right. he has a Down syndrome. That he's kind of in that horrible in between. Right, gotcha. Um, so he, he's like, his plan is to escape the nursing home and then go to the wrestling school where he hopes to become a wrestler. That's his whole entire mission. Right. So he does eventually escape the nursing home after a couple of failed attempts which are funny in their own right. Right. And then um Kaz came to join us. Yeah. And then what, what's ended up happening is he ends up bumping into Shia LaBeouf's character okay. on the road because he's also uh, been in his own trouble. because uh, he's a he's like a like a renegade fisherman. Right, okay. And he's been going out into like certain areas catching fish and that that he shouldn't be in. Because uh, that's a lot of people's territory, so he's kind of on the run as well from these like, other fishermen. So it's almost like a, it's almost he, he almost gets like it's, it's like a buddy movie. Almost these two guys sort of like mismatched. One hundred percent. It's absolutely that. And when the two of them meet up and they kind of get like that egos out the way of each other, it is one hundred percent a buddy adventure movie. And, yeah. And oh, it's just I. You know, I was actually quite taken back how much I actually really enjoyed it. It yeah. was um, Stacey had seen the trailer on the TV and, and she said, like, I really want to go and see that. So it was my day off. She was finishing early. I went to the hassle of finding where it was getting shown in Glasgow. It was getting shown at the GFT of all places. So off we went. And I ended up finding myself really enjoying it. It's mm. just a nice, simple film about two guys and then ultimately Shia LaBeouf's character ends up trying to help him to get to the wrestling school. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's pretty much the whole, it, whole entire plot. It's a it's buddy, it's a buddy, a buddy road movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely lovely, gingerly paced. Nothing. Yeah, we've probably seen this movie a thousand times over, but it's just, it's just so nice to see. Like these two characters just bouncing off of each other, and just you can see uncertain. Sorry, you can see in certain scenes where the two of them are actually just genuinely having real fun with each other. There's a proper, you know? there's a proper human connection between the two of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it oozes out the two of them, like, and just certain, there's certain scenes, especially um, the bits uh, when they're on like this makeshift boat. Right. They, they, they end up making it's a. Uh, they, they have like a few kind of touching moments on that thing and you're just like this is actually just like you can see these two of what like, pretty much became like friends through this movie right. it sounds kind of like if you've ever seen a film called there's a couple of films that remind me of I've not, I've not seen this film yet so 
I can't really judge, I can't really say it about it, but it, what you're describing sounds like a film called The Station Agent. Have you ever seen the film The Station Agent? No. It's got the little Peter Dinklage from um, Game of Thrones in it. This guy who's uh-huh. a, really interesting. Also, there's a film on Netflix called Prince Avalanche with um, mm. Paul Rudd and I think it's Ethan Hawke. Um, and they're basically building, they're basically painting the lines on the road and it's just like, a, again, a buddy movie of them doing that. It's, sort of like, it's this nice idea of spending time with people. You know, it's it, you know so often when you watch these films or any film, it's um, you're bouncing from character to character. So the idea of just spending you know ninety minutes almost with these characters almost exclusively, with other people obviously yeah. coming in and out just in, in small kind of almost cameo roles, but the fact that you're tied to these two characters for so so long, you know you, mm. you genuinely begin to feel like to, to to understand them and you grow with them and you begin to feel you. you you become attached to what their desires and wants are. It's like when me and you probably for the first time we watch Clerks, you know, because you spend the entire film with Dante and Randall, you you, you begin to sort of really empathise with those characters, even though they are not particularly nice characters. Whereas this one, when, when, when you think you're saying the young boy in it or the the guy in it, is quite an empathetic character. You do you want to feel good from from the start. So as soon as you start spending even more time with him, you just totally just fall in love with the with who he is. Yeah. And I, it's just, and it's not a particularly big cast either. No. It's the majority, like you just said there, the majority of the time you're really just with these two characters, and then every now and again it will cut back to the, um, I don't know, I don't even know what our job title is, but the lady that's um, meant to be looking after mm. uh, Zach from the nursing home, yeah. uh, Dakota Johnson's yeah. character, Eleanor. Um, it will cut back to her, and she'll be like trying to hunt him down. Yeah. Um, and she actually at one point she ends up driving past where they kind of are, and then going into the next town, and then nobody's seen them, and then about maybe about half a day later, they two come strolling into the town and that. So it's almost a little bit. You ever watched that film Hunt for the Wilder People? Yes. So it's, it seems like it's got a little bit of that kind of vibe about it a wee bit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's bit... honestly, I, I cannot recommend this film, more, uh, film enough. I think, like, I, I don't know if it's going to get much of a showing, if I'm being honest. Unfortunately, not, dude. I think the fact that it's in GFT just now indicates that might be the sort of level it's at, I'm afraid. It's, it's not, it's, there's definitely been no advertisements of it in the big multiplexes, which is a, is a real shame. But from what you're saying, yeah. it's a real shame that's getting missed out. Absolutely, it's just... It's, I think it's just like such a funny, nice, heartwarming story that in the bleak days of the current news cycles that we're living in, I think this is just a nice escape from reality for like, it's like two hours or something, yeah, it's just, actually quite a long movie. You came out smiling from it though. I did, I actually came out, like we did actually chocolate some bits as well, just because there's just bits in it that are just genuinely, just so funny. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want to ruin it no, too no, no. much because you I'm, know the laugh is few and far between. But uh, it's just good. It's just honestly, uh, you need to track it down, cool. even if you need to go to the GFT because it was like six pound a ticket. You know. Ah, no, no. I'm definitely going to. I've, I've been hearing a lot about it, so I do genuinely want to see it. So I will try and catch up on it. Um, Plus, also a few, um, a few wrestlers from back in the day when I was watching the wrestling. Um, they make an appearance at the end of it, and it's it's quite nice to see, you know. Yeah. It's like you can see the directors obviously like 
he's been a fan of the wrestling. Yeah. I think this is maybe where the story came from. And he's like managed to convince a couple of ex wrestlers to kind of just jump in and be little cameo roles in it, you know. Um out of ten, what are you gonna give it? Oh, it's a solid eight. Maybe even pushing a nine. Nice, sounds like one of your films a year so far. I think so. I think I think this would be quite a hard one to beat just because it's just something different, you know. Um uh, something different. It's not your usual comic book movies or yeah. whatever else, you know. Yeah, very I, I want to see it. I will try and see it at some point soon. Just to try and find somewhere where it's on. But uh, yeah, I'm very intrigued to watch it. That's a good one. I so. think. I think to be honest, if it's not going to be getting a big um, cinema release, I think it's going to be on what one of the streaming services or iTunes really quickly. That's, aye, that's what, that's what I'm expecting to see. It will be on one of those, like Netflix, Amazon, probably very, very quick. I imagine probably in the next like three or four months it'll be, yeah. it'll be popping up there because it's been doing the rounds in the film festivals for quite a while as well. Uh, oh, but, okay, cool. but that was The Peanut Butter Falcon you're giving 8 out of 10 to, so definitely yes. recommendation for that one. <coughs> the last film we talk about um, is one called Zombieland 2 or Zombieland Double Tap, depending on what you want to call it. Um, yes. Directed by Ruben Fleischer, who directed the first Zombieland, and also recently Venom, a, a favourite of your good ladies apparently, and Gangster Squad, he done that as well. Um, so okay, sure. this film is set ten years later, everyone's back, they're still in Zombieland, they have more problems because, you know, we've all grown up, some of them have grown up and want to find boyfriends, relationships are breaking down, relationships are getting made, and it's again, it's a journey they have to make to, to go and rescue one of their own who wanders off where someone really shouldn't do and that's essentially the plot of the film and along the way they have side adventures like you do in any decent video game to be honest um, so in the film you get Jesse Eisenberg playing uh, I can't remember who is he in the film uh, Columbus Columbus um, Woody Harrelson plays uh, Tallahassee uh, Tala Emma Stone plays uh, Wichita well done sir um, Abigail Breslin plays Little Rock I remember that one um, you've got Zoe Dush or Dutch comes into this one um, she plays a kind of blonde bombshell called Madison a blonde idiot bombshell called Madison and everyone's favourite Rosario Dawson plays Nevada yeah yep. um, so yeah so like I said I don't know about yourself I was a big fan of the original Zombieland I really enjoyed it yeah, me too. I actually, I really loved it because it just it came at that perfect moment when the zombie genre was big. Yeah. And then, but it had done it in a in a good way. It wasn't just your generic zombie movie. Exactly. And from what I'm, and from what I remember, you probably think the same. The fact they had Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson, you go, that's not really the guys you expect to turn up in a zombie movie. I think Emma Stone wasn't as big then, so she was sort of like maybe one of the unknowns in it a little bit. But Woody Harrelson was well established, as was Jesse Eisberg. He'd been nominated for an Oscar, I think, just before it for um, Social Network. So it was, it felt like an interesting choice for them to do it. So you might knew it was something interesting. Um, yeah. This is a sequel. It is a completely enjoyable sequel. Okay. It's not doing anything you wouldn't expect from a sequel. You know, everybody's got more problems. Everyone's trying to overcome those problems. But you all know they love each other and they'll probably resolve them by the end of it. Um, it's got lots of heart, but it does retread a lot of stuff from the first way around. You know, and some of the stuff doesn't feel quite as fresh and as original as it did yeah. in the, the first time around. Which is the problem with any sequel, to be honest. It's very hard to make a sequel feel fresh. Um, 
the cast are mostly they're all right. You know, Emma Stone and Jesse Eisenberg do seem a little bit like they're going through the motions, like they're doing this because of they're friends with the director or whatever it is, and they just want to, you know, it's a nice easy paycheck. Um, they're not yeah. bad. They're not bad. They're just they're just doing what they need to do. Um, Woody Harrelson, much the same. Has his moments of enjoyment, but you can tell he's not. They're not bad. Just it, it lacks the punch and the sort of the the joy and fun and the surprise of the the original one. Um, Abigail Breslin is barely in it. She gets sort of shuffled off very quickly to her own little side story. She becomes one of what to try and rescue, so she's not really in it that much. Which I think is a bit of a shame. And Zoe, I think her name is Zoe Dush or Doish. She's the standout in the film. She's fantastic. She plays this, like this is like ditzy blonde chick, you know, who's just the complete opposite of what Emma Stone is in the film. And it's, even though the zombie apocalypse has happened, she's still like this bastion of positivity and still going vegan and just, but also a complete and utter idiot as well. And she, she brings so much depth to the role, so much joy that you actually, when she disappears from the screen at any point, you're actually a little bit gutted she's not in it. You're like, you know, I want her back because she actually breathed a lot of life into these characters. Um, so yeah, so Rosario Dawson as well, because Rosario Dawson's Rosario freaking Dawson. She's always awesome, so she's badass in it um, but overall it, it, it's totally fine the action scenes are cool but again nothing you didn't see in the first one the comedy feels like the first one but again not as fresh but <coughs> as a sequel it's, it, it's it's fine like I said it's not a bad sequel it doesn't piss on the original but it, it, I would like a little bit more originality to it which I think is something lacking from it mm. did it run over the same jokes or did it obviously different kind well, of jokes. The idea is that Jesse Eisenberg's neurotic, Woody Harrelson's mental, Emma Stone's a little bit standoffish and a little bit sort of has commitment issues and the young girl is sort of, she's one of the the biggest change but she disappears very quickly. Like I said, when they bring in the, the Zoe Dush character, the, um, the Madison character, that's when it picks up because that's when you get something different, something fresh on screen that's when I really sort of more invested in it. You know, then they also okay. they, they traipse out the old, you know, zombie kill the weak stuff and all that kind of stuff, and they they lean heavily into the whole, you know, the rules of the, you know, how to survive the apocalypse type thing. Um, so it just it just didn't feel quite as fresh and original. Not like I said, a hundred percent not bad, just not original, but still lots of fun for what it is. Yeah, it, I th- I don't know. <coughs> when you those films came a few years too late for the party. I would de- I would definitely say that. Yeah, it's ten years later. I would say that probably if we're going to do a sequel to this film, it should have done maybe about five years ago. Mm. Yeah, to me. It just seems like the whole kind of zombie vibe is like well and truly over. It now. does seem to disappear a little bit. I mean, Walking Dead's still going strong on TV, so I suppose that is still there. But yeah, I agree. I think it does feel a little bit sort of this is maybe like I said, five years too late. Mm. But like I said, still fun. I still enjoyed it. I laughed. I giggled. I, I had no issue with it. I, I thought it was fun, but it's not one I'm going to say. I'm going to if I'm, if I'm going to sit there and watch it, I would watch the first one rather than watch this one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. can you give it out of 10? 7, enjoyable 7. Yeah. yeah. Would you say, it's, would you recommend rushing out to the cinema to see it, or would you say just hang fire and just wait for it to be released in the house? You know what, I would say watch it with an audience. It's a film that probably does have a lot more fun to it when you watch it with an audience. Okay. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, I would definitely say that, yeah. Definitely, definitely like a film you want to see with maybe a Friday night audience who can really, who, who really embrace it. 
Yeah, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say watch it with, with a decent audience. Okay, cool. Okay. Good. Um, that's us for this week. So next week out, we have quite a lot of stuff out next week. We've got the well, Adams. That's a nice short week. We've got the Adams Family animated film yeah. is out, which I'm not really sure what I think about yet. I'll have to. I'm intrigued. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very much on the fence. I think it's gonna. It's either gonna be really good or it's gonna be fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they can. The Adams yeah. Family can do. You can do so much coercive and funny stuff with the Adams Family that it, but yeah. also, you could also make it like. Hotel Transylvania, but it's really dull and boring. So you just yeah. took the words right out of my mouth. Aye. I was gonna say that I really don't want it to be another Hotel Transylvania yeah. like series. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think it can be it can be very dark. Also, it can be very dark. Um, you've also got out um, tomorrow is Terminator Dark Fate. Oh god! Which, like I said, I've heard better reviews than I expected from it, but I've been burned many times by a Terminator film, so I'm not not that well too higher. And it's uh, you know a, a bar for it, so we'll see how that goes. And um, we also yeah. we also have one called Countdown, which is there's an app on your phone that tells you when you're going to die. Lovely. Which is basically it's kind of final destination for the phone generation, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, black and back in the other day, you used to go to deathclock.com. Exactly, same idea, dude. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> um, you get black and blue, which I think I think is a a police drama, which looks quite interesting. And also you got the last black man in San Francisco, which made huge, huge buzz at Sundance. So also worth seeing. Um, still out that we've not talked about is Abominable, which looks quite cute and friendly and fun. Uh, and also Maleficent, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. That's still out as well. I haven't seen that yet. So we'll talk about one, two, three, all or some of those next week. Nice. Yes. Yeah. You want to be able to find us? Good, good selection there, cat. Halloween themed yeah, movies in there. Exactly, so. yes. Um, tell me where to find us. As always, all over the usual social media haunts Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Three Beers in a Movie. That is correct, sir. So for this week, I've been Richard, you've been. Okay. And you've been listening to. Three Beers in a Movie.